Another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. How you doing there, Mr. Mike? Mellon, today is, I'm very excited for the show. All right. So I got a special few gifts for you and the listeners that has some Alzi taste. I have my black white beater on. And uh, hey, for, the, for the listeners, uh, Raf is on his way in. He literally just landed a plane and he's rushing into the airport to get some, some Wi-Fi and uh, hop on with us. But because he's missing and we're trying to welcome, Melon is wearing the traditional flannel this week and looks looks very uh, south of the border. And, uh, you know, I look Mexico very Espinoza-ish. Espinoza. I got my Espinoza's on. And and uh, Mike has gone and put on a black wife beta and, a la Melon. And we're going to surprise Raph when he does his, he does his turning rejoin on us. That's right. Whenever That's you can get in. But while we're waiting, I found some gems, and it's 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 fitting that I look alzy right now because I'm gonna drop some Australian jokes on Melon right now. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> All right, here no we joke. go. His accent, his accent, his accent is getting better. I do. People do tell me he does it. He does a credible Aussie nowadays, better than my American anyway. Oh, appreciate that, Mike. All right, here we go. Melon, what's the difference between Cinderella and the Melbourne football team? Melbourne football team of the demons. Cinderella, she lost a shoe. She's got to be home by midnight. Don't know. Give it to me. Cinderella wanted to get to the ball. Ah, oh, oh, you're, sledging, you're sledging Melbourne football club to me. Hey, I, Luckily, I'm, I'm, I'm from Melbourne, but my team is actually Richmond. <clears throat> For the North American listeners, Melbourne is where uh, Australian rules football started. And they've got, uh, I think, 12 out of the teams in the in the national competition are from Melbourne. So there's like teams all around the inner, all the working class suburbs are all the football clubs. Well, here's That's another it. team that Raph will appreciate because he calls you. Why aren't the Wallabies team members allowed to own a dog? Wallabies being the Australian rugby football union team. And very dear to my heart, Mr. Mike, I hope you don't say anything mean. Because they can't hold on to a lead. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and we we have not had a good couple of years. I mean, we're a little better. We're a little better last year, but we have been smashed recently. All right. Here's the smashing. All right, and this is very. This is the most Australian joke that I could find this evening. I was looking around for a whole like four minutes. All right, that's how much I cared into this. But all right, <clears throat> two Aussies are drinking together. One says. When I die, will you promise to pour a beer on my grave? The other guy replies, no worries, mate, but I'll have to pass it through my kidneys first. <laughs> that, was, that was the best Australian I got there, but that was very fitting. Oh, man. I, literally see I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta correct your, pronoun- your pronunciation of Aussies. It's exactly the same as Aussie Osborne. So you say it like an O, O-Z-Z, Aussie. Well, I've been had, oh well. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to everybody out there in Australia and around the world. I walked it away. So there's no, 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 you're good. You're good. <laughs> and and what, what's been going on in uh, the mock part of the world? Ooh, well, I had a really good day today, dude. Today is just one of those days where you ever wake up and you just start your day off and all the pistons are firing and it's just like a, a day of clarity and focus. Those are the two words that I had when you just wake up and you're like, I am on today. Uh, That was this morning for me and uh, went into work and it was just like one thing after another, get it done, get it done. Uh, Went to the gym for two hours this evening, felt great there. And you're just crushing, you know, the run, run, swim, run day, plus an hour and a half in the gym and just felt really good there. And uh, also too is, uh, I think this adds to it for me. So in the last 24 hours, Russia has been uh, moving in pretty much on a southern and eastern province of Ukraine. And I know we referenced this, but uh, it's pretty much kicking off. And uh, if you don't know what's going on, 
pause, pause this. Don't turn it off. Like Raph says, pause this and go check it out. Um, it's about to get really bad. So uh, the threat of that also with my job brings me right back down to reality pretty hard, reminding me of my purpose and responsibilities. And uh, the best way I could say is things are just getting very real again. And uh, but it all comes into that focus and the good feelings and positive mindset. I'm happy where I'm at. If anything does happen, you know, get in that way. It's just like, I'm ready. So that's a mm -hmm. good feeling. But other than that, I'm excited for the show. I'm waiting for Tio's ass to get on here after he gets down and off his little prop plane or whatever he flies and uh, kick off a good episode, man. How about yourself? We had a, we had a really nice farewell from mate. He, uh, he joined the rugby club just, just recently, actually. Really, really good guy, British uh, army officer from the Yorkshire Regiment came out and uh, we only sort of hooked up in September and we had a couple of rugby tournaments and, and one of those relationships where the wives hit it off and the guys hit it off and you're like, oh my God, the girls are equally happy as us. So we can, <laughs> we can stand out here and have a frothy together <laughs> while they're in there looking after the kids anyway. So it was a farewell for him and it was um, a bunch of his, his mates from work uh, a couple of Americans, me as the uh, token Australian and uh, a bunch of British guys. And it was just a really nice, and obviously the conversation was pretty heavily based on what's going down in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, it was good. It was, it was just good to be in the company of, you know, some pretty serious guys with a lot of, a lot of backstory and a lot of credibility guys in their sort of late thirties to mid forties. have got a lot of military experience and, uh, it was, it was a similar thing, maybe just a, a bit of a refocus and, and thinking about what's, what's going down in the big picture. And, you know, you, you've always got to stay abreast of geopolitical stuff. It's worth reading those um, couple of pages in the newspaper. Not that I get paper here. It's always online, but yeah, but, but other than that, the kids are well, you know, the missus as well. We're looking forward to a, a trip to Australia in, in April, go and see mum, book tickets awesome. and yeah, yeah. So it's happy days. It's, it's, yeah, it's on the up. Yeah. Like a good focus and, uh, you know, being grat grateful for, for what we've got. I think in, in light of whenever there's tension around stuff, you know, you can have a sense of like all these things that you haven't even thought about for a long time around just regular old life. You can have that sort of sense of appreciation for it freshly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ellen's no giving me the bird right now. I don't know. He just felt him felt he had to. I don't. He's having outbursts. See, see what happens when you wear flannel and you dress like Raph. You just start giving people the finger randomly. I think it's. I think it's in the clothing or something. It's like it was. It was F Putin is what it was. Ah, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putin the punta. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not a quote from Raph, by the way. There you go. So you want to you want to introduce the topic? Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? That's why we're here. So this is Raf's topic, and I'm stealing his thunder. So suck it, Raf. Um, he'll jump in here in a minute. But basically, we were discussing last night about um, some some you know this all comes from conversations when we when we talk to other veterans and active duty too, and we talk about the uh, transition of everything. How are we setting ourselves up when we leave the military and go into civilian life? We have that structure, we have the discipline, we have all that stuff that you know everybody hears about all the time. Okay, got it. But when we get out, there's a transition period. And what we've kind of found out is that this is where the, the negative roots are born within veterans when they get out. Um, so if you think about it, you know, you're in the military, <clears throat> You have, you know, the esprit de corps, you have the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, you have a daily task and purpose. You're getting up in the morning and doing mandatory PT and people are holding you accountable and, you know, all that. And the grind after a while really sucks. Okay. Everybody gets frustrated. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to be able to do what I want to do. You know, everybody's the same. So once that's over, the transition of, hey, the, you know, the big brother is not looking anymore. There's, there's nobody holding you accountable anymore. So you enter this period of freedom. You know, you could look at it that way. 
no restriction, no timelines. I can kind of do what I want, wear what I want, grow my hair out, don't have to shave, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's in that time period that, like I said, the roots and everything of the negativity that we've seen over the past couple of years is really born. And then the next phase of that is how do you transition back to getting discipline and organization and standards in your life, right? So that's what we're kind of going to unwrap. But before we do that, here comes Tio, fresh off the plane, smelling like high karate, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, oh, he's in a rental car. Uh, he's not looking too good. He looks kind of, I don't know, he looks like he just robbed something at the airport. Raf, can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Why are you wearing Melon's wife, Peter? That's all I want to know. <laughs> we, we switched shirts today. I don't know if you we switch We swapped shirts. Actually, Melon, that's something I would wear. <laughs> yeah, I dug around the southern end of my wardrobe and got me a T.O. shirt on. And, I, and Mark's, Mark's rolled into one of my wife beaters. I can't get mad at that. Well, I, I'm just going to say... Uh, Mike doesn't have the physique to wear the wife beater. He's going to throw it out there. He doesn't have <laughs> enough tattoos. Raph, why are there red and blue lights behind your car as you're driving away from the airport? What's up? Uh, I, think they're I think they're celebrating my landing. <laughs> <laughs> or they're guiding the fire trucks to put it out, either one. <laughs> so, well, welcome to Tio. Here we go. Um, yeah. we, we told we told everyone you're on a you've just landed on a flight there raf and i mean honestly you can't get any more legit than this you've just done a training flight you've flown in and you've you've dialed in on a call that's awesome man yeah i was trying to of course of course my flight was delayed i was like of course it is you know like i was scheduled to land about 15 minutes prior so i was like oh this will work out perfect um but of course we we're delayed seattle had a little bit of snow just the usual seattle shenanigans um but anyways i'm here nonetheless uh, excited to be here and uh yeah man so uh just just to bring you up to speed raf uh mike just did a an intro so the topic just talking there about people trying to find their way when they transition out and how you know you can have the left and right of arc the the guardrails and the sort of that enforced discipline of the military when that goes it can be a time of challenge right so you want to just pick that up there mike yeah so <clears throat> We're looking at those three phases. So once you're in the military, as soon as you get out, and we can break that down, I think, into like six months, 12 months, 18 months, and 24 months. You know, that's usually those those first two years broken down into six-month periods is where, um, you know, looking at research and personal experience of talking with guys who are newly out of the military, that's usually where the problems or the successes really come from, right? And how you act and carry on after the military uh, in that time frame. Um, so let's just be honest for a minute. Let's, let's take a look at a lot of guys in a, in no way are we judging. Like you do your time, you're free to get out, do whatever you want. You know, it's your life. So we're not, we're not judging people. We're just saying what we see and then kind of we match it up with actions, right. And, and kind of patterns that happen. So you're in a tight knit group in the military Haircut, shaves, uniforms, timelines, everything has to be perfect. It's very regimented, discipline out the ass, everything. I get it. Soon as you're out, what do you what do you guys usually hear? Oh man, I ain't cutting my hair. I ain't shaving. I'm drinking so much beer. I'm smoking weed. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't give a shit. You know, whatever. It's just like, I'm free, baby. DD214 time, you know, like going down the list. And it's like, cool, man, and celebrate and like. You know, I get it. Everybody gets it. But then you're looking at that first six months block and it's just like, yeah, dude, I'm sleeping in all the time. I don't have to worry. I have my retirement, you know, this, that, whatever. Cool. Then you like start flirting with the year mark. And if you continue doing that and you lose that discipline where it's like, well, I, I know I've been sleeping in a little bit longer than I should. I'm not as proactive as I was with my physical workouts, you know, I'm like, I got tired of working out every single day. I've been eating more fast food because it's easy. I don't feel like cooking. You know, I deserve it. I, I deserve to relax now, you know, and that whole mindset starts really kind of snowballing. And before you know it, you're at that year and a half mark. 
two-year mark. And that's kind of where people start getting that sense of, I don't belong and I don't have a purpose anymore. Oh shit. Right. That's, that's been a lot of my personal discussions with veterans and just kind of being like, yeah, man, I, it's already been 18 months and I don't have a job. Uh, I've been living off retirement or savings and I've had all the fun that I can. And now it's just like, the excitement's gone. Now, what do I do? Oh, and I'm like 24 years old. You know, a lot of guys, they do like one enlistment and get out and they have no plans, didn't plan for anything past it. All they knew is they just wanted to get out. They were tired of it. And then the question is that you always hear, man, I miss being in the military. I don't like it, you know, in particular, but I miss the brotherhood. I miss the sisterhood. I miss purpose every day. I miss getting the daily feedback from my actions every day, being part of something special. So I guess the question is, if we're for the listeners, is if you're falling in one of these categories, you know, where are you at currently? Where's your mindset? And what have you done or not done to avoid that, to avoid falling into that pit where the bad habits ultimately start? It's a, it's an interesting one, right? Cause you have like enforced discipline and a lot of enforced behaviors and everybody in the whole world rebels against that, you know, like kids against parents, school students against teachers, people when you, you know, you join the military or any, any place where you start working against the boss, people against the government. It's just like a standard, standard thing, right? Like no one likes to be told what to do. Right. However, however, like people flourish. I think people flourish when there are constraints, when there's a left and right arc and people know where their responsibilities are and the kind of behaviors that they, the kind of values and behaviors that they uh, hold up when the organization and the family and the community have like standards, then people, I, I reckon people flourish now. And I certainly see it in kids. Like I see when, when the kids really have like a routine and they know what is expected of them, then they really blossom. And when there's an absence of that, and a lot of the studies show this, the kids have increased cortisol levels and stress and those kids having the tantrum on the floor in the shopping center, they are like really, really high cortisol levels, really high internal stress. They know that they shouldn't be in charge. They know that parents should be giving them guidance. And you know what I mean? Like that's a terrifying state for a child when they're like, oh my God, I'm in charge. I know I don't know anything. <clears throat> but people in people in organizations, people join organizations because something's appealed to them about it. And you know, a lot, a lot of people that you'd be talking about there, Mike, and uh, certainly Raf and my mates will have done really well and flourished inside that military environment. And nonetheless, everyone looks forward to you know freedom. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks forward to I get to get up when I want to get up and all that sort of stuff. But I've got to tell you, you know, like the worst melon is the one sitting on the couch with nothing to do. Well, that's a terrible version of me. And I really feel that there's a huge topic in here around regenerating community, regenerating mission and purpose so that you then transition out of perhaps an externally imposed set of restrictions to an internally one, internal one, that external locus control, the internal locus control. And that sense of identity transitioning off the group to the individual. And then, you know, I think we're probably going to talk about how you generate that in community and groups and family and stuff. But for sure, there's a lot of people who really want the freedom and then they get it and don't do not do well. If I could just jump in real quick, um, you know, just kind of talking, I guess, to the, to the audience at large, especially to our military friends, it's, we've all like kind of like what Mike alluded to. It's really easy to sit there and say, when I'm done with my military service, whether it's a year, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, I'm, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I'm going to do something completely different. But I I think that's a, that's a mismanaged um, sense of focus and direction because you have to admit that in that time in the military, there were some good things and there's also some terrible things, right? You probably were exposed to great management skills or leadership skills. You're also exposed to really shitty skills of leaders and management. So I think your job is not to sit there and just completely like throw everything away to the rubbish, but to actually focus on the things that were effective and that were useful in your life and keep those. 
And honestly, I think that we can all agree that discipline is one of those tools that can be effective when applied correctly. Um, I, just recently, I was listening to one of the Joe Rogan podcasts and he was talking to whatever his guest was. And they brought up the fact that Jordan Peterson always talks about how people always tell him like, oh my God, when I retire, I'm going to go to the beach and just drink, just drink margaritas. And he's like, okay, that's great. How long do you think that's going to last? You know, is it going to be two days? Is it going to be 10 days? Is it going to be a year? Because realistically, after a week, not only are you psychologically going to be bored with that whole thing because we're not designed like that. Our reptilian brain needs something to resist in order to build itself into, you know, part of survival mechanism. But also it just, it's the fact that your body can't handle that, right? Your body is designed to move. It's not designed to sit still in a lawn chair drinking margaritas. It's just not, you know, before you know, it, you got the beatus and then you're missing eight toes. I mean, that's, you know, you, your body starts to tell you that this new lifestyle isn't what, even though your brain wants you to take that route, you know, you're not designed for that. So just something to think about if you're leading the military, yes, some things I could not wait to leave behind, but discipline is not one of them. As a matter of fact, discipline has been the most effective tool I've taken with me and has helped me, you know, kind of blossom in my next couple of careers. Um, and that's just something to think about, you know? So it's not even haircuts, you know, as much as I hated getting haircuts, I know that a clean presentation also manifests in other ways. So yeah. I, I think it's worth noting just real quick. If we go back a couple episodes when I called out pilots and what they do when they land, that they have permission to run straight to the bar. I think Raph is driving straight there. He's going pretty fast. I see red lights flying by really excessively fast. So I think talking about discipline, Raph is maintaining what he had in the military and bringing it over to his current job. So uh, perfect example. Uh, Rangers lead the way. Good job, Raph. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Also, I'm not rushing to the bar. I've got a roadie in my hand right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> everyone was, I'm completely joking. <laughs> yes, we're joking. Oh, there's, there's something really good in, in what Raph's saying there but around that whole, you know, we want to sit still. Like that isn't, that is a biological drive to burn the least energy possible, right? And your mind will work against you and we've got to We've got to work against our own biology sometimes, right? So like the body wants to sit still, but sitting still is terrible for the body. We've probably got a pretty good mix in the West where we came up with this seven-day work week and, you know, you work for five. You probably have a night off on either a Friday or Saturday night. You probably have a day, maybe half a day of totally chilling out and then you sort of do chores and, you know, get into family activity and, or community groups and stuff. So probably out of a seven-day week, you probably have 12 to 18 hours of actual total chilling and, you know, leisure time. And that's probably not a bad ratio to think about in your whole life. Like you get after a, a working year and then you have a vacation period. You have some downtime. And having the downtime or the leisure time attached to having achieved something like a goal, having, you know, you, you've you pushed something forward, you've uh, achieved some financial goals, you've you've ticked off a project at work, whatever it is, then that leisure time is just sweet. It's, uh, it's enjoyable. It's reinforcing those disciplines and behaviors that have got you there. But when you have that leisure time and you haven't had any achievement preceding it, like that is like the fastest slippery slide to ruin I've ever seen. And we all know people, and I know myself, the melon sitting on the couch is the worst melon. You know, like I got to be out there with a ball in my hand running around on the rugby field rather than just watching rugby all the time, although I enjoy a game. But you sort of take my point of getting after it still and participating and having that balance. Like the balance is not 50-50, you know, like humans did not evolve sitting around in their butts 50% of the time. It's like being active and gathering resources and connecting with people and helping your community and undertaking projects. That's what has got us to where we are now. And that balance is needed to be maintained, Raf. Yeah. And I think something that really needs to be highlighted in this discussion about, especially for military members that are trying to transition outside, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys have actually, Mellon, you've mentioned him before, Sebastian Junger. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. He's written a couple of books. He made that documentary, Restrepo. He wrote a book called War, and he also wrote another book um, called uh, The Tribe, or I think it's called Tribe. He was recently on a podcast with Dr. Peter Atia, and man, he said something pretty profound. And he, they were talking about 
PTSD and why some people can deal with it and some people can't. And he really like dove deep into the psychology behind all this, not just in, in the individual, but in like societal norms and how that can either add or subtract from someone's uh, dealings, how they can deal with PTSD. Because PTSD has been around forever, right? I mean, human society has been warring since the beginning of humanity. That's all, like, that's all we know. But he brought up something interesting. He's saying that the most, you know, when he compared from all the research that he did, when he compared the affluent societies versus like really poor emerging societies like India, you know, places in Africa compared to the, the West, English speaking West, Australia, United States, the UK, he was saying that, you know, in our society, the affluent societies, suicidal rates, addiction rates, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, drugs, I mean, you know, apps, smartphones, all that stuff is like just skyrocketing and it gets worse every year. And he said, the reason it's interesting is because usually pandemics are really severe, um, uh, like, in, like really severe catastrophic events, like major world wars, you know, like pandemic we had usually brings societies together. The interesting thing about our latest pandemic is that it actually, we were being told by our leadership, our you know, health experts to isolate ourselves, which he said is completely against the norm for most of mankind for the last 10,000 years. Usually when there's a catastrophe, people unite. And because of that unity, because of that communal sense, it actually helps buffer some of that psychological, um, uh, I, I don't know, PTSD, but psychological trauma that we're dealing with, right? And he said, and the, like the, the evidence is so like just profound because if you start looking at our soldiers coming back from Iraq, from Afghanistan, the suicide rate has been massive compared to other countries like Yemen and other regions in Africa where they're always warring, but there's no suicide. And, and he said, there's a really, really clear distinction where they said it has to do with the ties of the community. In the United States, we promote, you know, letting babies go to sleep by themselves. We promote individualism. We promote hey, you know, you can do it by yourself. But the reality is we're not designed like that. You know, the, the stronger you, your communal connection, the better you are equipped to deal with psycholo psychological traumas, PTSD, or any sort of life-altering event. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. So, you know, we talk about that transitioning from the military to a civilian job market or whatever you want to call it. Don't forget that it's still important that you have communal ties. Clearly, you're leaving a really, really profound one in the military because there's that real deep sense of brotherhood. Um, but it's but now it deems that much more important that you should start looking for those same level of ties in this next community that you're joining, whether it's whatever you're going to do. And I, and I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting that he brought that up. Some great points, Raf. It's interesting. I, I've um, I've got mates that I went to school with and I still see them every time I go home. I'll see them again. I have no doubt when I'm in Australia in, in April. I've got mates from the army. I'm going to go see a couple of them when I'm in April. I'm talking now from 17 to 21. You know, so this is like 24 years ago for me. And then Air Force mates, rugby mates. And any success I think I've had in my transition and leaving the military has been really heightened when I've joined groups and when I've found connections and regenerated those little community stuff that you're talking about there, Raph, you know, because you can really be, I think, isolated when you leave the military and that whole thing, I'm getting out. Like that's a, st a standard phrase all around the world. And regenerating community is a massive part of it because you also, you, you need to regenerate mission. Like I think that that's really important in, especially for men, uh, a lot of research shows this for, for for the ladies, and it's not. I'm not being a sexist pig here, but it is that the slight differences are the women are more focused on the families, and the men are more focused on the mission. A lot of fulfillment comes from family, and I'm not saying that you know fathers and husbands and so on aren't fulfilled by family, but I really think that there's a lot of research that shows men need a mission. And if you have like I'm ending the time in the military, I'm getting out, and I'm going to sit on the couch or sit on the beach. Like there's zero mission in that. There's zero reason to get out of bed. There's zero reason to attack the day and get on with something and achieve things. And therefore, sense of achievement and satisfaction can, can really fall away. So there's like around your profession, I think you need to generate mission. So you need to find something that is attractive and it's desirable that you 
align with the goals of some organization or start a business or whatever it is that you're out there solving a problem in the world. And then hand in hand with that, I think you really need to focus on, on joining, like finding community groups. So for me, I've always had, you know, rugby, I've had sporting outlets, I've had friends in the gym and social friends, social connections. And this sort of ties in with a lot of that research out of that Harvard study on adult development around social connections are the one massive indicator on physical, mental health, longevity, et cetera, and happiness for people. So I think you have to have these two parallel trains going where you find professional meaning and also community for the connection and so on. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And I, I mean, I don't think I'm off base here, but like two things go through my mind. So like I'm, I'm the only guy here active duty still. So like I have yet to transition, but because I talked to Mellon and Raph and a bunch of other guys that are retired now that give me great, honest advice, honest advice is there's two ways in my head that I can go. You know, uh, we had our, our guest BJ Finney on. He's like, you get to a fork in a road and you can either go left or, or you can go right. And the left road for me is, okay, I just, you know, I retire after this awesome 20-year career. I did some really cool things or was part of something really great. Ten years go by and I meet a new group of people or I'm doing something and I'm just like half-assing it and I'm nowhere near what I was. But, you know, again, I call it like the Al Bundy thing is just, oh yeah, I used to do this. I used to be really great. I used to be this and sharp and fast and you know, hard worker and I had all this great stuff or whatever. To me, it's just like, I don't want somebody to look at me and go, well, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want somebody to look at, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and have to say that most of all, you know, cause that's what matters most is like, I got to wake up and look in the mirror every day, you know? And then there's the right road. It's just, you know, I already know that my job and time in the military is going to come to an end either the way I want it to, or the way I don't want it to. And it's just going to happen. Right. Like I, I always say, Hey, tomorrow could be the day and that's it. It's over. And, and I got to live with myself, but it's just like, yeah, that was a chapter of my life. And I learned, and like Raph said, I took away a lot of great examples of amazing leaders and uh, lessons in humanity and uh, discipline and all kinds of other stuff. No, it's never going to be the same. I'm never going to be flying into targets on helicopters at night and coming in from under the water and blowing, you know, entire walls up with charges and all this stuff. No, it, it's, it's gone, but I can start now and figure out how I can take those attributes, bring them into my personal life, into my next chapter of my life and figure out how I can still apply them. And so 10 years down the road, it's like, wow, dude, this guy was this 10 years ago. It's, it's like, he hasn't changed. Like his core is still the same, you know, that's what I take more pride in, you know, is being able to maintain and be myself and mold myself. So no matter what happens, it's like, I'm always going to be the same guy. I'm always going to have the same ethics, the same character, the same values. Like that doesn't change because of cloth. You know, so that's got, that's kind of, you know, being active. That's how I look at the two roads. That's my options. There's all that stuff around character and who you have been yourself and who you know yourself to have been in your best moments. And it's always, it's always going to be times when you look back on the biggest challenges that you've risen to and you've revealed character and you've developed strength and, um, you know, I've read some of the stuff around Stoic philosophy, and I know that that resonates with the three of us. People talking about when a life deals you one of those shit cards, that a Stoic way of approaching that is saying to yourself, the Stoic gods love me and they want me to be great and they want to develop me and they want to bring out, uh, they want me to develop so that I'm able to deal with massive challenges in the future. And the way they do that is by giving me these hard times that when you're just given easy times, we tend to fall back. And when we get times of massive challenge, you rise. And all of us are going to have these hard cards in our future. We're, we're going to lose people we love. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be financial issues. All of these things are in our future. 
And if you look at what you've, when you've been your best in the past, it's always been in those times of challenge. And if you let all of that stuff slide and you're like, no, now I want to have a life of leisure, you are effectively committing future you to being like the worst version of yourself that we've all got in our past as well. So I think there's a real thing. You have to go out and find challenges and you have to, you have to look for that stuff when it's not being given to you on a plate. And I think that you don't have to look far to find a problem in the world that needs attention from someone with particular skills. And you have been equipped with them. And I'm talking to you at home now. I'm not talking to Raf and uh, Mike. You have skills, you have abilities, you have experiences. And the world needs you to address something and make a contribution. And by the way, it's going to be good for you. But it's going to be better for your community. It's going to be good for your family, all of those other things that are actually going to derive or cause satisfaction and meaning to come into your life. I would like to ask you guys a question and like the initial reaction of like what you feel, right? Because I know you too, and I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. If I was like, hey, Raph, Melon, let's go and work out for the next week straight, right? Because that's what we used to do or whatever. And uh, you were both like, eh, I don't really want to, dude. I did that for a while. And I say this to you. Okay, well, you know what? You guys deserve it. How does that make you feel right off the bat? Eh, dirty. Dirty? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, like, I think that is such a big problem that, at least in the United States, okay, um, I don't know how in, in Australia, but I think it is great the amount of support uh, our military gets after 20 years of war, veterans come home, and there is a lot more being done than there was 20 years ago. Uh, for sure. There still needs to be a lot of improvement, but I think there is an entitlement problem. Uh, reason I say that is because I've had members of my own family uh, have this and well, you know, I, I did this for this country. I was wounded for this country. Oh, I was, you know, X, Y, Z for this country. I deserve this. I deserve everything to be handed to me. No questions asked because I gave everything. I hear that more often than not, especially when I work with Pat and we, and we have conversations with veterans and everything. It's just like, they're looking for handouts. They're like, I already did the work. I already served my country. I should be given the easy road the rest of my life. Now I'm not saying like, if guys have been wounded, if guys have been through a lot of stuff that they're like their, their abilities no longer allow them to do it. Right. But I know guys like my friend, Jordan, right. Lost both of his legs. You cannot stop this man from continuing on. And there is no excuse, no excuse in his life of why he can't do something. Okay. Just, and, and, you know, we've had Kenny G getting shot three times. That dude could have been like, yep, I'm done. I'm going to live off retirement and do whatever. Right. Then he goes, becomes a fireman, a fire captain, a police officer and an EMT. And he does all three at the same time. And there's more to come as, as he said, you know, which I talked to him the other day and it was badass. So it's just like, I've seen both sides of it. I know which side I like. I know which side makes general sense. The other side is that entitlement piece. And you shouldn't be doing what you do for this country for handouts or for entitlement of what you deserve. You are, you should be getting medical treatment. You do deserve that. You do deserve to be taken care of your family as far as that goes. But if you, if you expect to get out and you're going to like, well, I deserve a six figure job. I deserve to get the position that I want every single time without putting the extra work in or going back to the bottom of the, of the totem pole and taking all your skills you learned in that in the military and then working your way up and showing people your character and what you did. Cause nobody gives a shit what you did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday it's over. Today's a new day to prove yourself. Right. And get up and show you be like, Hey, this is what I did. This is a reflection of what I used to do that. I'm still the same dude. And you want to work with me. You want me in the, on your team. You want me in the room working on the, on the project with you, you know, like when you see those guys, it's inspiring. And it's just like, man, as Melon said, it's very stoic. It's the stoic approach of being humble and being like, 
yeah, I used to do that. I really liked it, but I'm on today. I'm focusing on today. There's plenty of new challenges. Let's get after it, man. Like, I love those people. Go ahead, Millen. There's, um, it's, pre it's pretty easy to see. We're all, uh, all familiar with like a sportsman who retires and, you know, you see him, you see him years later and they're, you're like, what happened to that guy or that girl? Like, how did they let themselves go? And what have they done since? And we would never think about this in any other industry. You wouldn't be like, well, the plumber worked for five years. Therefore, he should, he will be able to just sit on the couch for the rest of his life. It's like, this is not how reality occurs, right? Like you keep gaining resources and you keep uh, providing for yourself and your family and your community by undertaking tasks and achieving goals and addressing problems and that sense of entitlement. Like I, I wrote these down in my notes for the show, sense of entitlement versus a sense of gratitude. And I know, I know loads, loads of guys when I was in the military, they were always like, this is the accommodation standard for my rank. I deserve to be, I'm entitled to be staying here and I'm entitled to this. And I'm like, you're just like, what are you doing, man? Like, don't even start if you can flip that into that from the sense of entitlement, the sense of gratitude, that's where real power starts and meaning and, you know, all the, all the positive, positive results that you get for yourself that actually count like the way you feel about yourself. That's all the stuff that is important and is going to last and endure. And how do you stack that up against the hard times? We're all, all going to come like life is, as Ralph always says, you don't know, no one gets out of this bitch alive. We're all going to collect a lot of scars on the way, be that mental or physical. And stacking that up against against what? Like, what did you do this week? What did you do today? And if you don't have, you know, a few boxes you've ticked off and some people you've helped and solutions that you've generated for stuff that's difficult, how do you stack it up against the reality of, of life? Go hey, ahead, guys. Yeah, if I could just add in, um, just something I wanted to know too, since we're talking about this sense of entitlement. The other thing that... Um, Sebastian Junger was talking about and Dr. Peter Tia was, you know, when they were comparing the affluent societies versus, you know, the um, poor societies, it's that sense of stoicism where because of that sense of stoicism, you know, suicide rates, depression, they're almost unheard of in some of these societies because they just accept from a very young age. And even as a community, they accept that life is going to be hard. Right. So when these catastrophic events happen, nobody's shocked and it's kind of like the community just circles the wagons and they help the individual or individuals um, overcome whatever the situation is you compare that you contrast that to our society where again i kind of alluded to the fact that we do everything individually right like and i'm not taking away from what mike and you were saying i understand that you know some of these goals you want to you know, go after them yourself, or maybe they're initiating your own head. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to try to do this thing. And if somebody wants to join along, that's great, but I'm going to do this myself. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's why we've created one of the wealthiest, most powerful nations on earth, right? It's that individual freedom to just go achieve the unachievable. I mean, it's something to behold, right? Like it, it's awe-inspiring. You know, the Jeff Bezos of the world, he just built this ridiculous concept or this concept into this ridiculous machine and, and company that hires, you know, more than anybody else. But anyways, I'm digressing. The, but the point I'm trying to make, though, is we can't get away from the fact of how important, because it's really part of our reptilian brain to be part of a community. And that, I think, is as far as I'm concerned, for anybody to try to find any sort of worth um, in, in, their, in their life, whether they're transitioning, whether, what, you know, dealing with some catastrophic event, death of a child, God forbid, something something that large it's it's that connection to that society that's really going to help people navigate and there's been a lot of research done on this and they and i wish i could quote exactly what uh, dr peter Tia had uh, quoted uh but he was basically just there's a core group of universities that looked into the lifespan of these tribes that lived in these like harsh harsh uh environments in, in the sub-saharan africa and some of these people were living into their 70s. I mean, these are like really, really dire environments to survive in. But again, it's the sense of the stoicism, like they accept the fact that life is hard. And so because of that, there's this, this um, I guess there's like an agrarian type uh, understanding where like, hey, even though you might have more resources than me, we're in this bitch together. So we're, I'm going to do everything I can in my power with what I've got to help you survive and vice versa. And I think we've lost some of that 
with these stupid ass algorithms with Instagram and Facebook, you know, um, and Melon, you can probably speak on this because you did that uh, thing with your MBA where they were talking about how addictive these algorithms have been designed. And that's a real thing. And we've seen this. I mean, if you go back and I think it starts in what, correct me if I'm wrong, 2012 to, to the present day, the number of s- depression, anxiety, skyro- um, uh, uh, suicide, yeah, self-harm has been skyrocketing since 2012, which is coincidentally uh, when Facebook and all these other apps started becoming really um, affluent in our society. And it, I mean, it just, it's uh, something to stop and think about. If you're a parent that has children that are, you know, have an app or have an iPad or a phone, um, we're kind of setting up setting them up for failure. And so I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, if you're a person struggling, listening to our podcast right now, just know that some of the tools that you have in your hand are kind of part of the problem. So it's probably important to ditch the iPhone or limit your iPhone, ditch the iPad and join a community, a like no shit, real community, have somebody depend on you and you depend on somebody else. And that has proven for the last 10,000 years to help us survive as a species. And you don't have to, you don't have to believe me. There's been a ton of research that's been done on it aside from the Harvard uh, adult wellness. And I don't know what the title is, but uh, anyways, that, that, that's my two cents on it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I just think that for me, the importance is the sense of community and having somebody lean on you and you leaning on somebody else. And I think with that, you have a real potential to minimize episodes of PTSD. You have a real potential to like deal with any sort of addiction. You know what I mean? And going back to what Mike said, you need to have a tribe like ours that's going to hold you accountable, right? If I came up to you guys and said, hey, I'm thinking about cheating on my wife, Mike would probably be like, dude, I'm on my way there to kick your ass. I'm like, what? Okay, I changed my mind. I mean, like, you need to have people like this. Well, just to add on to what Ralph said just a little bit is, you know, we all agree that bad things are going to happen and things that we can't control are just part of it. And, but if you invest your time and do all these things that we're talking about, and at least at the minimum, you can find that community, that small group, maybe it's after church, like, a veterans group that goes to church together or something like, I actually want to be a part of that. It's hard to find. It's harder than you think. Um, So if anybody has any recommendations on the East coast, please hit me up because I would be down to be a part of that. Okay. I really want to be a part of something like that. Um, But at the minimum, if you can get into a community and your hardest day comes and you're losing that discipline, sense of purpose, you can say one thing and people will jump on you to help you. And that's, Hey, I need help. The hardest phrase for veterans to say is, Hey, I need help. And that, that community, that group, those brothers and sisters are going to jump on you as if you were on fire and they were just, you know, a a bucket of water, man. They're going to jump in. They're going to help you. Hey, get your head out of your ass. And I know this because Raph and Mellon did it for me uh, many times over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I, I really like that, that quote, what's it say? It's so great to see people that go into the fire, walk out, carrying buckets of water to help others, you know, um, Raph and Mellon are those two, uh, is that for me? And they inspire me to do that for other people. And, uh, that alone take away everything else. Um, that's what I'm grateful for. You know, that's, that's what keeps me going every day is like, Hey, I know, I know what I'm supposed to be doing because if I don't, these guys are, you know, going back to the Australian jerk, the Aussie, the Aussie joke, Melon's going to piss on me. So (laughs) (laughs) Raph missed the jokes at the beginning, by the way. (laughs) There's, there's a, a big deal there. If you look around at like the kind of kids that we all think are just like the, the biggest turds versus the kind of kids you think are just like the, the best kind of kids. The parenting style behind that is really like we can all imagine it. And you know that that little kid who's been given everything, that spoiled little horrendous child who's grown up to be, you know, like, and and then the parents are putting the kids out in the front yard with the lawnmower and they've got all their chores to do. You just know what kind of an, a, a path they're growing into. And it's with guidelines, it's with, responsibility it's with people holding them accountable there's i read a great interview with um 
lady was described as the strictest school teacher in the UK, and she's in a very disadvantaged area in inner London with people, you know, really like a bottom end sort of socioeconomic area, a lot of migrants and really struggling areas. And she is super strict. Like there's no talking in class. There's no toilet breaks that are outside scheduled toilet breaks. There's a whole list of super strict stuff. And out of this bot, real bottom, real struggling school, they got like 82% are getting into university and they're having, it was like 5% or 10% were getting into Cambridge and Oxford. I mean, we're talking extraordinary results. And she talks about detention is an act of love for the child, for the student. So when she sees a child doing something wrong, she will not step over that activity and ignore it. If she loves the child, she'll give them uh, an outcome, a result, a, a, a negative one that is reinforcing positive behaviors. And that, like, it's, it's clear to see when you think about kids, when you think about yourself, obviously we want to sit on the couch, we want to, we fantasize about the margaritas on the beach or whatever it is. But we know in our own lives, we rise to the challenge, we reveal character and our best days are the ones when we've achieved the most. And that recreation time and the relaxation and, and so on is important and celebrate. And, you know, I certainly do that myself, but it's got to be earned and freaking earn it and push your friends and, you know, ask other people to be great as well and don't shy away from it. Take on those challenges. That's my advice. Well, we're right at the end of how long we like to keep you guys for. And we've had some uh, really great feedback around the BJ Finney episode, which shout out to him, just a great man who's, who's probably doing this. You could say the same sort of stuff in the way he's now moving forward with his environmental activities with the kids and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love some feedback. We, we, get, we get all the emails and reply to all of them. So not your average Mike 77, not your average Raf, not your average Paul at gmail.com. Leave us a review. We appreciate all of those. It pushes, it fights the uh, the algorithms and the social media and pushes our stuff up so people, you know, we can increase our, uh, our footprint and our impact in the community. So until next time, have a look at your own ability to- Fuck it away integrate. with the music. There goes, there goes the phone, right? There goes the phone. Unindoctrination was the, was the topic that we sort of, decided to call this one and it's about reintegrating into a new tribe so finding your own tribe finding a way to integrate and uh, a way to transition and take all the best things out of your past and bring them with you into the future so until next week take care thanks for stopping by